electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the heavily hyped AI trade, whether there are signs of bubble trouble as NVIDIA tops a trillion dollars in market cap. We'll discuss and debate with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Kerry Firestone, Josh Brown, Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss. Let's check the markets here. Do have a mixed day for stocks. The Dow Industrials are down by 120. S&P good for about six and a half. The action in the Nasdaq, though, no big shock there. Two-thirds of 1%. We said NVIDIA hits a trillion dollars in market cap. First chip stock ever to get there. There's the gain of uh, nearly 81 points. So that's our top story. Um, and related to that is really... Um, our top story 1A, and, and that is Josh Brown, um, who has been a holder and fan and supporter of NVIDIA for as long as, frankly, we can all remember. And now you've used this gain to take some profits of, of some degree. You've sold a quarter of your position, is what you told our producers. Is that correct? Yeah, this morning. Uh it gapped higher, and I took the opportunity to just take something off the table because, man, this is one for the ages. And I didn't want to sit here in a reversal and not have done something. Refresh, you know, our memories, if you could, on, on how long you've owned this stock. And what, do you remember when you first bought it and what the first price you paid for it was? I, I don't remember the exact price, but it's like a 20, it's, I bought it in the summer of 2015, and I remember coming on the show, we were in New Jersey, and said something to the effect, Netflix was struggling at that time, and I said, maybe we ought to replace the N with uh, NVIDIA, and, you know, I, I've believed in the stock ever since then, and it's, it's thousands of percentage points, obviously. Uh, I read this weekend that NVIDIA, over the last 10 years prior to my getting involved, was uh, the number one performing stock up 10,000%. So this is like just you, you could live your whole life and never see a stock do what NVIDIA has just done uh, ever again. And, and we may not. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a historic run. But I want to talk about some of the shorter-term dynamics here because I'm still a believer in NVIDIA. I still think they are the best position technology company in the world for what's to come. But this stock hit an 86 RSI this morning. It was at 83 on Friday. And I remember, uh, and I think we have this chart, or, or I'm not sure if we were able to make it, but um, I just remember saying to myself, when was the last time NVIDIA uh, was this overbought? I mean, this is a stock that's rallied before. And it turns out you have to go back to November of 2021, which was the peak of the, the tech bubble. Um, where it traded at 89 RSI. If you go back to uh, 2011, it hit 91. That was the highest ever. And NVIDIA's max RSI during the dot-com bubble a generation ago was 81. 
So you're, you're talking about just the historic level of being overbought. And if you look at the three-month, six-month, and one-year return after that 2011 peak in relative strength, it was negative 2%, negative 40%, and negative 42%. If you look at the November 2021, uh, when RSI peaked last time, um, the three, six, uh, three, six, and one-year return was plus 3%, minus 37%, and minus 52%. So now, basically, you have arguably the best stock in the world, but it's mm -hmm. 46% above its 50-day moving average. That's the sixth highest reading ever. Um, and you just have to say to yourself, how likely is it for there to be strong gains in the very short term from here? It's not impossible, um, but the likelihood of a, of a reversal grows. And so I just want to do what I think is prudent, take some risk off the table, obviously taking off my initial investment entirely, and you know, just be in a situation where if there is that reversal, I'm not as exposed as I was last week. Got you. Um, what, what obviously is so interesting about you know, the, the current state of the market, the current state of buying into AI-related stocks, and then watching NVIDIA, Weiss, which was $300 in the moments before it reported earnings, which, you know, was, we forget, was, what, 10 days ago? Not, not even, it feels like. Um, no, where less. there's a, a bit of a seller in Josh in terms of taking some profits. You're a new buyer. Yep. Um, on the close last, last Thursday, is that yep. right? Yep. Take us through that thought sure. process, because that is as intriguing to me as Josh's taking some profits is. Well, clearly, I don't think there's ever been a more momentum-driven market than what we're in right now. And that momentum is confined, by and large, to seven companies, of which NVIDIA, as Josh points out, is the number one in all of that. So I thought that, uh, look, I was hoping stock would, would miss and collapse, uh, and then I'd take a fresh look at it for a full position rather than a trading position, which is what I put on. So. You know, Scott, I'd like to tell you I was waiting for it to hit a valuation of 200 times earnings, but, uh, but that's not it. Uh, it was purely playing momentum. I added to it Friday morning before the market opened, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be here for a long time. I mean, frankly, if Josh were a better salesperson, I would have gotten to it earlier. You know, so, uh, so kudos <laughs> to him. I mean, it's just so rare to be able to identify a company like this and to buy it and to stay with it. And the story has changed somewhat. The fundamentals, in a good way, fundamentals have gotten a lot better. Yeah, you remember so, it was like um, it was yeah. like a video game play, right? Yeah. And then it was a crypto play. And then it was a data room Bitcoin. play, right? <laughs> and and then, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, I have lots of meetings, as you know, every day. Just got another one with an AI company. There is no competitor there. It's not AMD. It's it's not Intel for sure. Nvidia owns the market. AMD is another another new 52-week high today. Exactly. I mean, as these stocks to and, Joe, as the group uh, continue right, to run. Right. Kudos for Joe. But I still think the best AI play, bar none, is Microsoft because it's a recurring revenue model. You're going to have to buy a full new suite of products full upgrade, and they'll survive, and it's a lot less expensive. So, look, I'll be in NVIDIA until I'm not. I wasn't happy to hear, frankly, that Dr. Death bought it last week as well, because when you when you have people that start violating their value discipline to this degree. Didn't you kind of, me, val didn't you kind of, 
Didn't you kind of do that to, in your own sort of yes way? Yes and no. Yes and no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not purely a value player. I know, I, but I this sounds like so not but you I always lately. Have a spe- I always have a speculative part of the portfolio that I can play in. And I've said that from beginnings, 13 years I've been in the show. This is the speculative part of the portfolio. It's not a big enough position where it's really going to inform the rest of my performance, but I've also got to be able to identify psychology, I've got to be able to identify markets and where I can be wrong. So I've been wrong here. Look, if it goes up a lot, I'm not going to make a ton of dough. If it goes down a lot, I'm not going to lose a lot of money, but I thought there was good momentum. The first hint of a reversal, I'm gone. So I don't have stops on it right now because of the volatility. I could be taken out and then miss it up another 10% the next day. But I will get it. I'm glad to see that, that, that Josh is staying there for three quarters. The fundamentals are there. But, you know, since time began, chip companies have not been able to keep their competitive edge for a long period of time. And you've got tremendous, tremendous motivation from all the other companies that buy their chips to put another chip company in business to compete with them. So they don't have a, you know, a stranglehold on technology and innovation. Right now they do, but that will not endure. What do you, what do you want to say at, at this moment about <laughs> your committee members, one of whom you know, made one move on the line and the other one made another move on the other side of the line? Uh, Josh, Josh is making an excellent risk management move. That's exactly, question. With, that's exactly what you're supposed to do when you see such a, a dramatic appreciation in a stock. So I, I don't think we're calling into question right now the overall AI thesis. Look, we're not even at the point yet where we've seen an increase in the IPOs. And that's when you know it gets bubblicious, You right? can't call into, your, so you don't, aren't we, aren't we kind of calling into question though whether this valuation is, is justified in, in given the, the move let from, me, let, again. Let, let, me add, let me respond to that because in the near term you might be correct, but longer term as an overall thesis, right? When you see uh, the avalanche of AI IPOs, and we're not seeing that at all so far in 2023, then you know it's getting to the point where it is bubblicious. Now, in the interim, is the valuation exceeding uh, a comfort level without question? And what's driving it? A lot of what's been going on in the last couple of days is mandated buying. So I mentioned last week the momentum fund. Emptum, which is the largest momentum fund, the ETF globally. Guess what? NVIDIA has finally been added into Emptum in the last three days. So you're seeing a lot of that mandated buying. Can you imagine being a growth manager and not owning NVIDIA in your portfolio as you move towards the end of the month? So NVIDIA has to be back within uh, that portfolio. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. Kathy Wood is a growth manager, right? And she... She doesn't own it anymore, and she tweeted yesterday in terms of, you know, why she doesn't anymore. She had a, a, you know, a great win with it for a long period of time, but she's been out since January. She tweeted yesterday, among other things, investors seem to think NVIDIA is the only AI play. It is not. Uh, the second tweet she has at the end says, at 25 times expected revenue, for this year, however, NVIDIA is priced ahead of the curve. Now, to that point, <laughs> NVIDIA right, is 25 times forward sales that's so versus, but, versus six times for the socks. All right, let's just say we missed it. You know, I wish we'd have the humility to just say we no, missed no, it. No, she there sells her winners and buys her losers. Yeah, but there are and that's t- a strategy. There are times you have to have the humility to say that, you know what, I missed it. And NVIDIA has the absolute lead over everyone else. You mentioned AMD. I still have a half position in AMD. I'm looking for the exit in AMD at some point. Because the gains 
that I've been able since early May to acquire in this chip company have to, you can't be greedy with that. You, you know, just profits. one more point on Real Josh's, quick, I want to get to, I get to yeah, on Josh's point, just one point. Yeah. Josh didn't sell NVIDIA. He still believes in the fundamentals. What Josh sold, he sold the stock that, and I remember very clearly when he bought it, because I thought I was a freaking hero. I bought the stock in the 30s. I sold it at 78. I was really long the options, and Josh was buying it then. So I thought, hey, man, I've got more than a double and a quintuple on my options. But he sold, he was agnostic to the name of the company that he sold. He sold the stock that's had a meteoric rise, and kudos to him for knowing when to shave some of it off. So, Kerry, how do you, you view this? You obviously don't, you don't own NVIDIA, but you have exposure across the AI spectrum, um, whether it's the Microsofts, the yeah. Metas, the Alphabets, you know, some now throw Alphabet, I mean, excuse me, Apple and Amazon in, into that mix, too. Yeah, exactly. I think what Josh is doing, first of all, is correct. If you own a stock that's had that kind of move, I mean, it's phenomenal. And I I think it's it's great for the people who own it. But you, you have to take some of that profit off the table. I mean, it's 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 just in it an extreme case of enthusiasm across the board for AI and for NVIDIA in in particular. As I said last week, it's the poster child for this whole new category that everybody is jumping on. You know, they can't they, they can't come up with enough ways to use to gener- generative um, AI in uh, describing their products. Uh, I would say that in the last five trading days, there's been $450 billion of incremental value added to the top tech names in the S&P 5 and you know they are now up uh, 33%. If you look at the market, it's up 10% for the year. But the rest of the market, if you take out eight names, is essentially flat. And that's telling you something about the market. Either it's too narrow and it must broaden out, or it's too narrow and it's going to remain narrow, and maybe that's precarious. So what I think is the best way to think about this market is that if we don't have a recession, and it it appears more likely that we will not have a recession, that earnings will start to grow more than expected. Because we're trading at, you know, big number, 19-plus times current year and 17-plus times now next year's earnings. We need that number to mm. just, you know, come down. I, I, I know the top names pull it up, but we're, we'd like to see a broadening of this market. And you need that for more enthusiasm no. about earnings for the, the entire market. Of course, at, at some point, I suppose. I mean, Joe mentions the MTUM ETF. The, uh, the other one that has AI as a part of it is the LRNZ. That's the Technology AI and Deep Learning ETF, which, by the way, is up 20% month to date on pace for its best month since the inception, which was March of, of 2020. Within that, Datadog, you know, Joe still has half of his position there. That's up 38% month to date. Okta's up 30% month to date. AMD is up 42%. Joe, as, as you know, at least at this point, I hope, has sold half his position, but he still maintains half. CrowdStrike's up 31% month to date. And then there's Schrodinger, which is up 19%. And, but wait, there's more, uh, Josh, right? Because you, you sold out completely, I think, of, of this name, right? Yes. Uh, I bought Schrodinger uh, before the earnings. It immediately fell because that's what always happens to me. I added a little bit to it. <laughs> and then during this whole AI mania, the stock ran up 25%. And I just said, if, if I'm trying to cool off my portfolio from all the AI mania, 
um, then I'm probably better off just walking away from that one, taking the profit, and reevaluating in general. Look, I, I think what Steve said is right. It's very unlikely for there to be any technology company, especially in semiconductors, that maintains 100% market share or an 80 or 90% market share. It's not that it never happens. It's that it happens so rarely historically that it, it would be kind of crazy to make a huge bet on that continuing to be the case. So in the short term, it's probably true that nobody can touch NVIDIA's market position, their platform, their products, their, their uh, lead in this space. That's probably true. The thing is, there's going to come a time where it's not true, and there are going to be all sorts of things that happen along the way that spook uh, the stock price. I actually I wrote a blog post last night, five things that could knock NVIDIA down. First on the list is uh, any credible evidence that China is about to do something uh, with respect to Taiwan. Think about how important Taiwan is for the whole semi-space, for everything, really, but for tech and semis in particular. They don't even have to do anything. It could just be a report, and you could, you could see 10% come out of any chip stock overnight. Like, these are the types of things that happen, and the, the risk is not lower as stocks rally. It, it, it appears to be lower, but it's actually higher. NVIDIA's enterprise value to earnings metrics are in the triple digits. EV to EBITDA right now, 148. EV to uh, free cash flow on NVIDIA is 187. The PE is 214. The price to sales is 40. Now, the bulls would say, and I am a bull, the bulls would say, oh, no, actually, the stock just got cheaper based on guidance for Q2. Okay, possibly, but it's also possible that Q2 represents this massive pull forward, and we don't see follow-through necessarily Mm -hmm. in Q3 guidance, in Q4 guidance. So it's just being realistic. Now, think about tech in general. 16% of the XLK ETF holdings are hitting 52-week highs right now. That's the highest reading since January. 72% of the XLK uh, names are above their 200-day moving average. That's the highest since right before uh, SVB. The median relative strength, RSI, in the XLK is 61. The median relative strength of the rest of the S&P 500 is 42. So take Schrodinger, take uh, AI, C3AI, whatever that is. Take all of the names that are getting caught up into this and just say to yourself, how much longer can this really go on for without a scare in the market? I don't think there's going to be a lot of room left, unfortunately just because of how stretched some of these relative strength indicators are. So on that point, uh, which is a good one, Carrie, <clears throat> of, your, of your Microsoft, your Meta, your, your Apple, for, for those who are watching today, wherever they may be watching, and they're, you know, they hear somebody who's been as bullish on a name like NVIDIA and Josh have been linked as long as we can remember, are now mm-hmm. questioning to themselves, you know, should I take some chips off the table in some of these names that seemingly keep hitting new 52-week highs by the day. Yeah. What's your own decision? What's yeah, your thought so, process, you know, as a, mm-hmm. you know, a well-skilled fund manager who has to make these kinds of decisions? Yeah, so the way we would look at it is the following. What's the weight that we've assigned to these names? And in the, in the places that we're overweight, so if we're overweight or Google, uh, we're overweight Amazon, we're overweight Meta, not overweight Apple and Microsoft because very few people are. But we say, are we at a point with those names where we're overweight, where we feel it's too much of the portfolio? We are really putting too many chips on 
on their back. And we decided, no, but we're watching. You know, we're watching to see where they go. Um, because, for example, Google sells for market multiple, you know, Alphabet's a market multiple, and next year it's 17 times earnings, you know, we don't have a problem owning it. Uh, the same is true for Meta. I mean, Microsoft is a little more expensive. Apple is more expensive, and Amazon, you know, is, is more expensive. So we have tried to be careful about the mm -hmm. prices that we're going to own those stocks at, but they're not close to the NVIDIA valuation. And, you know, and at times like this, maybe valuation doesn't matter or PE doesn't matter. It's just about growth and the perception of growth. But at a certain point, you have to really face reality, and it will matter. So, by the way, uh, we see a note, I think, that just dropped. Bank of America bumps the price target of NVIDIA up to 500 bucks. That's 20, 23% uh, <laughs> okay. from current levels. Now, you recall that the day after earnings, there were what felt like 40 price target bumps. You know, some of which were, I think, yeah. as high as $600 and whatnot. Joe, what would you want to say? I, I wonder how much of, of all of this is really there's nowhere else to go with your money right now in the market and where positioning has been completely offsides throughout the year. So think about this. Josh mentions technology, the amount of companies that are near a 52-week high. Month to date, technology is up 10%. You have communication services up and con, uh, consumer discretionary, both up about 4%. Mm -hmm. Energy's down 8%. Materials, industrials, utilities, down 6%. Healthcare, down 5%. Real estate, 4%. Mm -hmm. Financials, 3%. That cyclical trade is completely okay. blown up. So it's to that not point, working. Good. I'm glad you went there because I wanted to segue there anyway and come back to you. Small caps are underperforming large caps by the most since 97. Mm -hmm. Okay, The spread between the S&P 500 and the S&P equal weight is the widest since 99. Yep. That sort of answers your point. Like, there's nowhere else to go. Where are you going to go in a still highly uncertain macro environment? Where? A money market fund? I mean, that's literally your only alternative <laughs> at this point. There's nothing competitive in the equity market that can deliver the type of revenue growth that you're seeing these technology companies deliver. And positioning is so incredibly important. I remain overweight energy. It's the, it's, it's the, the asset that I look at most during the course of the day because I know it's struggling with such significant underperformance. And there are so many others that are in the same position that I am right now as well. You know, I look at the world a different way. There's nothing wrong with the way Carrie looks at it, nothing wrong with the way Joe looks at it, but overweight, underweight just isn't my lexicon of investing, okay? I'm strictly an absolute investor. I'm not looking to figure out what's going to outperform the infotech sub-index of the S&P. No, but you can be it's representative. Can, can I make money? Yes, but you can be representative of the, of the same thought process by virtue of, well, it's a trading position right. or it's a bigger position. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're sort of no, talking really. kind of about I, I, the I'm same not looking to thing. See, I mean, no, because you're not taking huge. You're not taking a huge the, position the in Nvidia. They're looking at an opportunity set. Here are the 10 names in the in the index. I'm going to bet on the one or two that can outperform. And that's what I'm going to show to my investors. That's what they look for. Very legitimate, very real. I'm not criticizing it. I just look at it differently. And I don't want anybody to think that just because I bought a trading position in Nvidia and that I bought some Microsoft that I've changed my view. I'm still negative on 
on the market, it bears me out. So for every NVIDIA that you have, you have a deer, which, you know, has gotten crushed. So, so I'm still negative. I don't believe that a recession is less likely, as Carrie says. And I believe the, mar the risk in the market has moved higher. Take a look at Adobe, what Adobe's done. They don't report on June 15th. I have no idea if the quarter's going to be good or bad. But the stock's up nearly 100 points from the low, right. up nearly 35%. So all you have to do is a CEO come out and say AI, okay, whether, whether <laughs> it means artificial intelligence or autonomous <laughs> ink, and it's going to go higher. That's what's happening. That's what the froth that Josh is talking about and why he's paying. All right, so let's do this. Let, let's uh, sneak in a quick break because on the other side, we're going to document two more moves that Josh Brown has made. Uh, we'll wait until the other side to give you more details about that. We'll do it next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're back. We have these other moves we want to document from Josh Brown. So let's do this, Josh. Um, Newmont Mining, you sold. I mean, metals in mining has just not worked. So take us through this one first before we get to number two. Yeah, you actually, I'm a little bit mad at my cast members and even you, Scott. You guys should have talked me out of this when I, when I put the trade on. I've been <laughs> hey, on the show hey, for 11 hey, years. My material. Weiss wasn't I've, on that day, obviously, I or he probably would have. Yeah. I would have come at your hard job. Why did you let me... Why did you let me do this? It's so not, it's the opposite of me. I don't I don't screw with gold. This is so stupid. Um, gold hit the <laughs> lowest level since uh, since March 20th. It's it was a sucker's rally above uh, 2000 an ounce. I should have known it. This is not my area. Um, so I got stopped out of Newmont. It's not it's not terrible, um, but it's a it's a it's a failed thesis. Uh, the dollar got stronger, gold got weaker, the debt ceiling thing didn't turn into a firebomb, and uh, the trade just didn't work. And by the way, I've been saying this for 11 years on the show, and I should have remembered that I always say this. Uh, these are just not good companies, like the, the gold miners in general. They're not particularly run well. I know some of the biggest gold bulls in the world, and they tell you never buy the equities. If you like gold, buy gold. And uh, I just like violated so much about myself. Um, that I sold it last week, and then I crouched down in the shower, and I cried a little, and I'm not going <laughs> to do it again. And if I do it again, please say something. Okay. Well, this is not well, what I do. Maybe it's not your core strength. Maybe your uh, fellow Long Islander, 
and pal Josh Brown should have said something to you to just buy the GLD. Yeah. Right? That, like, that, like you still own the GLD, I, right? I do, and that's the obvious that would, mistake. That wouldn't have worked either. Well, Newmont, Newmont's down in the last 52 weeks, 38%. The GLD is actually up 5%. So far year-to-date, the GLD is up 7.5%. Newmont's down 13%. So if you want to buy gold, whatever your thesis is on gold. Do you and, still and, want to buy gold now? And I, and I agree. Gold is in the middle of a pullback, so no, I don't want to buy gold right here. Will you sell I'm your gonna GLD? Maintain, I'll maintain my position. We'll see what happens at the quarterly rebalance if I see anything within uh, the precious metal space that will lead me to exit the position. I'm more inclined right now to exit the position than I am to enter into the position, in, in particular because interest rates are beginning to rise. The thesis around owning gold, the precious metal, is the disinflationary velocity, and we saw that at the end of March, at the end of March rather, and that's why everyone was clamoring to buy it. So I think it just falls back to owning the precious metal relative to owning the miners, which Josh has said they're awful. So the other stock that you sold out of Josh is SWX, Southwest Gas. Yeah, well, this is another one where the story changed. So um, when I originally got involved with it. Uh, Carl Icahn was fighting with the company for board seats. He ended up getting what he wanted. They uh, sold off the piece of the business that Icahn felt was uh, superfluous. I think they got a good price for it. Um, and now they are preparing to do a spinoff of the other business. And uh, they want to become a pure regulated utility with a, a higher yield, I guess. The thing is that that's going to take, uh, take place over the course of the whole year. Um, and in the meanwhile, the largest shareholder, Carl Icahn, is kind of in a fight for his professional life right now. And I don't think particularly focused on whether or not he should maybe take this company private, which is something that he was talking about doing last year. So the story changed. Uh, a lot of the catalysts happened. The stock didn't perform. Um, so it's another situation where, look, not everything you do works. Not every idea you have plays out the way you think it will. And uh, this is one of them. So I'm out. And uh, I'm more liquid now for whatever comes next. Okay. Uh, let's get the headlines now with Bertha Coombs. Hi, Bertha. Hey, Scott. Here's what's happening. Prosecutors are urging a federal judge to deny a request by FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried to dismiss criminal charges accusing him of stealing billions of dollars from customers. In early May, the former cryptocurrency billionaire filed a motion asking the judge to dismiss most of the 13 counts against him, saying prosecutors charged him in a rush to judgment in 2022. But in a late filing Monday night, Prosecutors described his efforts as meritless. The judge will hear oral arguments in the case on June 15th. North Korea plans to launch its first military spy satellite in June. The country says the satellite is crucial for monitoring the United States military exercises with South Korea. The statement came a day after North Korea notified Japan's Coast Guard that the launch may affect nearby waters between May 31st and June 11th. And new data from China shows urban unemployment for those 16 to 24 hit a record of more than 20 percent in April, four times the broader unemployment rate in that country. And economists estimate that at least a quarter of college graduates are underemployed in low-paying jobs below their skill levels. By contrast here, Scott, youth unemployment in April here was 6.5 percent. Back All right. to you. Okay, Bertha, thank you. As Bertha Coombs, up next, three bullish calls of the day, including a best-in-class mention for one EV stock. Those shares are popping. There's our mystery chart. We're back to reveal it next. 
What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, calls of the day now. We told you we have a few. Number one, charge point upgraded to a buy at Bank of America. The target, though, gets lowered to $14 from $15.50. You can see it's a bit shy of 10 now. They say it's a best-in-class way to play EV charging. Josh, you still own this? I do. I'm in a pretty big drawdown with this stock. It's one of these names that I bought, you know, during the uh, during the mania in 2021. And I just uh, I didn't really risk manage the position. So I'm there. I've added to it uh, at lower prices than my original purchase. It's basically a company that didn't pivot early enough to what investors were looking for, which is positive free cash flow. I understand why they decided not to. Just to catch people up, this is EV charging. They're not putting up like retail charging stations. What they're doing is fleet charging and they're putting chargers at hotel chains and Starbucks and McDonald's, et cetera, so that um, those parking lots are equipped. And they're also doing an app for people that have an electric vehicle and they just want to be able to charge anywhere they go. So um, I think the I think the decision to just keep building, not worry about going profitable. They have the cash. I guess I understand it, but the market doesn't care about stocks like this right now. At some point, they will go profitable. Uh, probably not this year, maybe the end of next year. Uh, but that's what the analyst is talking about at Bank of America. They think it's a. Uh, they think it's a best-in-class way to play EV in general. Um, and I thought that was true uh, two years ago, but it just hasn't played out that way. So we'll see what happens. So, Kerry, PayPal reiterated buy at Mizuho. Price target's 92. Uh, the stock's been disappointing, to say the least, right? It's down 16% year-to-date. Uh, so what's your take on this call? Well, I think that the call is confusing because he's suggesting the stock's going to be up 50 percent. But then he also says buy on weakness. I mean, how much weaker can it possibly be? I mean, the stock is down from 400. And you know, we think it's inexpensive. But I, I've said that many times on this show. It trades for what would be if you believe the earnings, you know, 12 times this year's earnings, 10 and a half times next year's earnings. So the market doesn't believe the E. The market thinks that they're going to have to bring the numbers down. But it would still be an inexpensive stock. It's a value trade. And I would think activists are going to start to show up. So to us, PayPal is inexpensive. It's attractively priced, but it hasn't worked yet. So I hope it it works on this call. (laughs) Thank you. Anyone on Wall Street. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Johnson and Johnson resumed by its city. Joe, you own it in the T, mm-hmm. right? In the Joe T. I do. What do you? Uh, they raised the price target, buy rating, and 185. So basically, the spinoff of Kenview, which is the uh, Tylenol parent. There's optimism that they could build some momentum surrounding that. That's based the essence of this note. That's just not the case. Uh, there is no momentum right now in J&J. It's part of an overall very extremely complicated story for the healthcare sector. I think you're going to see significant turnover within the healthcare sector. And right now, it's the medical devices in Eli Lilly 
where investors want to be in the healthcare space. Otherwise, some very critical decisions surrounding ownership of healthcare are ahead in the coming weeks and months. All righty, up next, Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word. We're back on the half right after this. We're back. Our senior markets commentator, Mike Santoli, joining us with his midday word. I think we figured it was just a matter of time before NVIDIA joined the Trillion Dollar Club. Yes. Here it is. And it is causing some people to sort of reassess where they are in that name, like our very own Josh Brown. Yeah, and it, there's not a huge sample size here. I guess seven stocks ever have hit that. And, you know, it's funny. There's an old trading rule of thumb that stocks that get to 90 get to 100. Maybe it's... Stocks that get to a $900 billion market cap at least test out a trillion. I don't think any has gotten a, uh, even well above 800 without testing it at this point. Now, Meta uh, was above it and fell well below. So Tesla. is Tesla. The others are still uh, there in the zone. Now, it is obviously a time to reassess. And I think it's very interesting, the swirl of psychology around it, because there's a sense of looking at the chart and saying, I missed it. It's a mini mania. There's something wild going on. And yet also a forced compulsion to participate. So nobody seems happy about. Yeah, my man right here. Or participate in the overall theme. Forced to participate even in a small degree, but nonetheless. Right. So anything that looks like it can justify what NVIDIA just reported as that revenue guide for the entire sector. Uh, But it's a localized kind of mini buying panic is the way I would put it. That's why the bubble talks funny to me. If if this is a bubble and Microsoft's a huge player in it and the stock is not yet where it traded a year and a half ago before we were talking about AI, it's not a bubble yet if it's going to become one. It it could be something out of hand. You know, EOG Resources, okay, the energy company, it like quadrupled in a year and a half to the high. Nobody talked about it being a bubble. It can happen. Stocks can get ahead of themselves. They can get overpriced. The risk reward can be bad without it being a bubble. Yeah. All right. I'll see you in a couple. Uh, It's Mike Santoli. We'll see him later, of course, on Closing Bell. Still ahead, the Salesforce setup. That stock getting a fresh 52-week high today as it gears up for its own earnings. We'll find out how our traders are positioned on that. We'll do it next. Grade my trade. Send us your latest stock move, and the investment committee will debate it and grade it. Email us at askhalftime at cnbc.com or tweet us, hashtag grade my trade. All right, we're back. Let's talk some earnings that are coming uh, over the next few days. Salesforce tomorrow, new 52-week high, highest level since March of 2022. Carrie, you own Salesforce. What's your expectation here? Yeah. As long as they sound positive about the remainder of the year, I mean, $1.62 is the number. It's not going to be that exciting of a quarter. The last quarter showed a lot of potential. They also talked a ton about cost cutting and making sure that they rationalized uh, the whole, you know, base of the employees. And they talked about weakness that they've experienced in big new accounts, but that could be coming to an end. So we really think that the number is going to look good as we go over the next few quarters, as long as they sound positive this, and, and say AI several times on the call. Uh, we, we think that investors are probably going to feel um, good about, about what they're hearing. The stock can continue to go higher. It's still far from its all-time high. I know, but I, I can't help but think as you're, as you're saying all this, 
you know, well, as long as they say AI a million times on the call, that's great. I mean, that, we've come no. to that. that. That's really what we've come to for these. No, uh, no, are, of course not. Of course not. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm kidding about that. This is a, a stock that traded at uh, a multiple in the high 50s. And that multiple came down into the 20s. I mean, it's had a run, but it's still not anywhere near many of their peers in software. And they continue to put up good numbers. We think that it's going to be a good quarter. I mean, we really do think that this is a quarter. And for the rest of the year, they're going to have good numbers. And and we applaud what they've been doing. And we we think Mark Benioff is, you know, back in charge and doing the right things. uh, CrowdStrike is tomorrow after the bell, too. Josh Brown, give me the first take on that. Uh, Streets looking for 51 cents, I think. This is a stock that went down 60% in 2022. This year, it's up over 40%, uh, rallying again today. Uh, It's a high beta, high valuation name that worked against it last year. This year, people don't care as much. I get what Carrie's saying. She's probably only half kidding because the reality is if the CEO of a tech company doesn't say AI five times in the prepared remarks, you already know where the analyst Q&A is going immediately following. So look, this is a company that's this is a company that's been integrating AI since before it was cool. That's the basis behind how Falcon works. The Uh idea with CrowdStrike is the more companies join the network to be protected by it, the more an incursion on one company can immediately be solved for for everyone else. So it works almost like a nor- like a neural network, and uh, so it is AI. I don't know if they'll get the credit for that, but I think the earnings will be good. So you know, Joe, when we talked about CrowdStrike, which is also yours the other day, and we were mentioning the, I guess the divergence in the the gain from Palo Alto relative to to CrowdStrike, you were almost apologetic in in owning this stock. You you know said you missed it. You wish you know you chose the wrong one. Those are kind of the words you used. This stock's done really well. What's your thought process going into the earnings report? So the stock has had a technical breakout over the last three weeks. We clearly, we've spoken about that on the show. Uh, my comments were more in regard to selling out of Palo Alto way too soon, which I did. I was in Palo Alto many years ago. Um, I, I think very few people on CNBC had mentioned it like I did. Uh, as it relates to CrowdStrike, they are generative AI, and they rolled out today the assistant, Charlotte AI, which a lot of uh, companies have this assistant. That assistant, you'll be able to ask the simplest question. How vulnerable are my applications? And Charlotte AI will provide the answers and the solutions. So it's real when you talk about CrowdStrike and you identify it as a company that will be a leader in cybersecurity generative AI. Okay. Grade My Trade is up next. We'll see you in two minutes. All right, Grade My Trade. Carrie, you're up first, okay? From Jeff, Home Depot yeah. almost is almost 16% of my portfolio, says Jeff. Should I trim a few shares and put the proceeds into Pfizer or AbbVie? What do you think? Well, Jeff, 16% is too heavy a weight. And I think, yes, you should definitely trim that position just just for the weight. I mean, the stock is down 30% from 
December of 2021. Um, I think that it's going to have a tough couple of quarters because the renovation home, home rental market is a little weak. The macro environment for that type of spending is weak. On the other hand, it's forming a base. Uh, and I, I think the stock is still attractive over the long term. In terms of Abby or Pfizer, I don't think those, um, those stocks look great right here either. So definitely trim some of the Home Depot and perhaps look for some other opportunities um, or even four and a half percent of the money market fund is good right now. Okay, Joey uh, from Daniel bought Lockheed Martin at 462. What to do? Down a little bit. The stock has been in doubt and stocks down about 15 percent on the debt ceiling negotiations since early April. Um, we know there's a strong fundamental thesis surrounding defense, both domestically and globally. We know that these companies are going to participate in the growth of defense spending. Um, I think what you do with Lockheed Martin here, Daniel, is you ensure that you protect the downside. And a lot of the ways that you can protect the downside just don't come in the form of price, but also understanding now you have a resolution to the debt ceiling debate, right? So you should have favorable price action. If that is absent, that is a critical indicator that the, tr the trade itself is going to see further deterioration. So I think the risk management on the downside is what Daniel needs to prioritize. Here. Okay, Weiss, quickly with you. Uh, Dan on Bank of America bought it at $29.32. Do I keep buying? What do you think? I think you've got time. Uh, look, you still have an inverted yield curve. The IPO market, which is the fat part of fees, I don't think, and according to bankers I talked to, isn't going to open for a year. So, look, is the stock cheap? Absolutely. Are there any catalysts or fundamentals to really make it move substantially higher and buck what I see as the market trend lower? Absolutely not. So I'd hold it. Excellent, excellent management. Can't say enough about Moynihan. But, you know, he's got to deal with the cards he's dealt. They're just not great cards. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. All right. We're talking NVIDIA and market strategy today on Closing Bell at 3 o'clock. We just booked Stacey Raskin. He's one of the top chip analysts on the street. Bryn Talkington is going to join us as well. She owns those shares. So we'll find out what she's doing. If she tempted to take some profits like Josh Brown did, so let us know later on. Uh, Adam Parker used to be a chip analyst, by the way, and he'll join us too. Talk some market strategy there along with Lauren Goodwin. I'll see all of you at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Carrie Firestone, final trade, please. S&P Global, this is a company that peaked in late 2021. It's had a long time to recover, starting to form a base. We think issuance will begin to come up if the economy strengthens. It's very right. good for S&P. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Josh Brown. Uh, Oracle, this stock remains a breakout in progress, very involved in AI. I like it still. Weiss. Six-month T-bill is almost a five-and-a-half yield tax advantage. That's okay. what I'm buying. Joey T. A few weeks ago, bought EQT, had about a 10% gain in it. Let's protect the downside. 3250 is going to be a stop if it keeps moving lower. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you a little bit later. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.